Part Five: The Offshore Pirate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Reading by Bologna Times. The Offshore Pirate, by F. Scott Fitzgerald, Part Five. When the night crept down in shadowy blue and silver, they threaded the shimmering channel in the rowboat and tying it to a jutting rock began climbing the cliff together the first shelf was ten feet up wide and furnishing a natural diving platform there they sat down in the bright moonlight and watched the faint incessant surge of the waters almost stilled now as the tide set seaward are you happy he asked suddenly she nodded always happy near the sea. You know, she went on, I've been thinking all day that you and I are somewhat alike. We're both rebels, only for different reasons. Two years ago, when I was just eighteen, and you were twenty-five, well, we were both conventional successes. I was an utterly devastating debutante, and you were a prosperous musician, just commissioned in the army. "'Gentlemen, by act of Congress,' he put in, ironically. "'Well, at any rate, we both fitted. "'If our corners were not rubbed off, they were at least pulled in. "'But deep in us both was something that made us require more for happiness. "'I didn't know what I wanted. "'I went from man to man, restless, impatient, month by month, "'getting less acquiescent and more satisfied.' I used to sit sometimes, chewing at the insides of my mouth, and thinking I was going crazy. I had a frightful sense of transiency. I wanted things now, now, now. Here I was, beautiful. I am, aren't I? Yes, agreed Carlyle, tentatively. Ardita rose suddenly. Wait a second. I want to try this delightful-looking sea. She walked to the end of the ledge and shot out over the sea, doubling up in mid-air and then straightening out and entering to water straight as a blade in a perfect jackknife dive. In a minute her voice floated up to him. You see, I used to read all day and most of the night. I began to resent society. Come on up here, he interrupted. What on earth are you doing? Just floating round on my back. I'll be up in a minute. Let me tell you, the only thing I enjoyed was shocking people, wearing something quite impossible and quite charming to a fancy dress party, going round with the fastest men in New York, and getting into some of the most hellish scrapes imaginable. The sounds of splashing mingled with her words, and then he heard hurried breathing as she began climbing upside to the ledge. Go on in, she called. Obediently. He rose and dived. When he emerged, dripping, and made the climb, he found that she was no longer on the ledge, but after a frightened moment he heard her light laughter from another shelf ten feet up. There he joined her, and they both sat quietly for a moment, their arms clasped round their knees, panting a little from the climb. "'The family were wild,' she said suddenly. "'They tried to marry me off.' And then, when I'd begun to feel that, after all, life was scarcely worth living, I found something. Her eyes went skyward, exultantly. I found something. Carlyle waited 
and her words came with a rush. Courage, just that, courage as a rule of life, and something to cling to always. I began to build up this enormous faith in myself. I began to see that in all my idols in the past time some manifestation of courage had unconsciously been the thing that attracted me. I began separating courage from the other things of life, all sorts of courage, the beaten, bloody prize-fighter coming up for more. I used to make men take me to prize-fights, the declasse woman sailing through a nest of cats and looking at them as if they were mud under her feet, the liking what you like always, the utter disregard for other people's opinions, just to live as I liked always and to die in my own way. Did you bring up the cigarettes? He handed one over and held a match for her gently. Still, Ardita continued, the men kept gathering, old men and young men, my mental and physical inferiors, most of them, but all intensely desiring to have me to own this rather magnificent, proud tradition I'd built up round me. Do you see? Sort of. You never were beaten, and you never apologized. Never! She sprang to the edge, poised for a moment like a crucified figure against the sky, then, describing a dark parabola, plunked without a slash between two silver ripples twenty feet below. Her voice floated up to him again. And courage, to me, meant plowing through that dull gray mist that comes down on life, not only overriding people and circumstances, but overriding the bleakness of living, a sort of insistence on the value of life and the worth of transient things. She was climbing up now, and, at her last words, her head, with the damp yellow hair slicked symmetrically back, appeared on his level. All very well, objected Carlyle. You can call it courage, but your courage is really built, after all, on a pride of birth. You were bred to that defiant attitude. On my gray days, even courage is one of the things that's gray and lifeless. She was sitting near the edge, hugging her knees, and gazing abstractedly at the white moon. He was farther back, crammed like a grotesque god into a niche in the rock. I don't want to sound like Pollyanna, she began, but you haven't grasped me yet. My courage is faith, faith in the eternal resilience of me, that joy'll come back, and hope and spontaneity, and I feel that till it does I've got to keep my lips shut and my chin high, and my eyes wide, not necessarily any silly smiling. Oh, I've been through hell without a whine quite often, and the female hell is deadlier than the male. But suppose, suggested Carlyle, that before joy and hope and all that came back, the curtain was drawn on you for good. Ardita rose, and going to the wall, climbed with some difficulty to the next ledge, another ten or fifteen feet above. Why, she called back, then I'd have won. He edged out till he could see her. Better not dive from there. You'll break your back, he said quickly. She laughed. Not I! Slowly she spread her arms and stood there, swan-like, radiating a pride in her young perfection that lit a warm glow in Carlyle's heart. We're going through the black air with our arms wide and our feet straight out behind, like a dolphin's tail, and we're going to think 
we'll never hit the silver down there till suddenly it'll be all warm round us and full of little kissing caressing waves then she was in the air and carlyle involuntarily held his breath he had not realized that the dive was nearly forty feet it seemed an eternity before he heard the swift compact sound as she reached the sea and it was with his glad sigh of relief when her light watery laughter curled up the side of the cliff and into his anxious ears that he knew he loved her end of part five